Welcome to the Pursuing Life Podcast. I'm your host, Monica Kirsch. Every week, I'll be sitting down with people from the Calvary Church family to hear stories of what God is doing in, around, and through them as they take intentional steps to pursue life in Jesus Christ. We believe that storytelling is powerful. God has made himself known to us through the stories of the Bible. Jesus told parables or small stories to teach kingdom lessons to his followers. And God continues to write stories of his goodness and faithfulness through the lives and experiences of his church, ordinary people just like you and me. Today, we have the honor of hearing from Justin and Laura Houghton. The timing of this episode is so special because we have been studying the book of Daniel as a church. And it's also a book of the Bible that has been really meaningful to the Houghtons. Between 2020 and 2022, Justin and Laura walked through an incredibly difficult season where they lost three pregnancies in less than a year. During this time, they were deeply impacted by a worship song called Another in the Fire. This song comes directly from Daniel chapter 3, where King Nebuchadnezzar sets up a statue of gold and commands all the people of Babylon to bow to it in worship. If they refuse, they're to be cast into a fiery furnace. Daniel's friends, who we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, refuse to worship anyone or anything other than the one true God. They say to the king, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand. But if not, Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Later in the chapter, after the men are thrown into the fire, we find out that a fourth figure appears in the furnace with them, a figure who many scholars believe is Jesus, and not a hair on their heads was singed. Another in the fire speaks to the truth that Jesus is with us in the midst of life's biggest fires, And that is the thread that weaves itself all through Justin and Laura's testimony. Before we hear from the Houghtons, I wanna say two important things. First, I just wanna let you know that this episode does go into detail surrounding the topic of miscarriage. We know that this may be triggering for some, so we wanted to advise you in advance. Second, I would encourage you to pause right now and listen to Another in the Fire and read through Daniel chapter three. Both are linked in the show notes and will give you an even greater context for what is shared today. Now, without further delay, here is my conversation with Justin and Laura Houghton. Laura and Justin, welcome to Pursuing Life. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. So that people have some context to your story, can you take a few moments to introduce yourselves and tell us who you are and about your family and how long you've been at Calvary Church? Sure. Well, my name is Justin Houghton. This is my wife, Laura. Hi, I'm Laura Houghton. (laughs) (laughs) We've been attending Calvary Church for, I would say, about 11 years. Okay. And we have two kids. We have Addie, who's seven. We have Alex, who is one. And we've been 
different ministries have been involved in Calvary over the years. Um, been involved with children's ministry. Uh, I've been involved with the worship team for a period of time by playing drums. Also playing drums downstairs on Sunday mornings for the high school, middle school students. Okay. Um, we've been through Marriage Builders together, mm-hmm. which is an amazing curriculum. Recommended to any new couples. Absolutely. Um, it's just an amazing, amazing class. Lots of wisdom there too. And then Laura has also served with CSM as a small group leader mm-hmm. with the high school. Was it high school? Yes. High school girls? Yes. Senior girls. Yep. And now currently we find ourselves uh, doing Wednesday night Bible studies. Oh, So fun. I'm involved with the men's, Laura's involved with the women's, yeah. and I must say that it's been such an amazing opportunity to study God's word in a way that I've never done before. Um, so it's mm-hmm. just been truly inspiring to me, and I think we are starting to grow again with uh, meeting new couples new people in our small groups. So it's just been really cool. And I have to give a plug too for children's ministries because so of course, like during during service on Sundays, our kids go to children's church, but then also Wednesday nights, they go to Discovery Club. So then like Adeline goes to Discovery Clubs and then Alex goes to the Junior Discovery Club, like the little ones, which is adorable. Um, and then Adeline also participates in Kids Choir. Mm-hmm. Oh, which, fun. Yeah, yeah, which is really fun and she loves it and she loves worshiping Jesus, which is really cool to see that in our own kids. Yeah. It's cool. It makes you think we're doing something right as parents. Yeah. <laughs> yes. our, our girl up there worshiping Jesus is really just, uh, the words can't describe that. Yeah. yeah. Really cool. Yeah, definitely. And we are just outside of church. We're both educators. Okay. So I'm a school counselor at Park Elementary in Columbia. And then Laura is an English language development teacher at Manheim Township Middle School. So you keep busy is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Both full-time educators of two little kids and then plugged in here at church. But it's a full life, but it's a very, you said it well, we have a blessed life. So, yeah. Amen. Yeah. Glory to God for that. Yeah. I say it often, but I think that you guys are a really good example of being involved in different areas of the church in different seasons of life. Yes. You know, as our seasons change, life has to look a little bit different. And it sounds like you've been plugged in in different areas as that has changed for you, which I just think is really cool and a really great example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. There were different periods of time where I would play drums but now I feel like since we have two kids now, <laughs> I joke around about this with Laura, I feel like my kids have kicked me out of the basement with my drum set. <laughs> so drum set is completely packed up now and I can't practice anymore because my kids stuff that we've been kind of rotating with throughout the years have gone in storage and <laughs> my <laughs> drum kit is packed up now. I so that's one, one, one example of the seasons and how they change yeah. and what looks Differently for your family, one season looks different the next, so. Yeah, definitely. Well, maybe one of them will take over that drum set one day. Who knows? That, fingers crossed that one of them do. Yeah, and you <laughs> can sure. pass that talent on. Yes. <laughs> I tell them, if you want to go practice drums, you can go do it at church. There you and, go. And that did work for a period of time yeah. where I did do that. Where yeah. Calvary was gracious enough to let me come and practice after school some evening, so that, that was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, well, if you ever want to do that again, just let us know. <laughs> we'll do, yes. <laughs> but now with two kids, it's... Even more different. So. Oh, yes. yeah. Like you said, seasons change. So yeah. Seasons change. They do. Yeah. They do, for sure. Well, the reason that we're here is because you guys reached out to us when we started the Daniel series, and you said, we love the book of Daniel. Mm-hmm. And your story is such an example of how impactful the book of Daniel really is. Mm-hmm. So over the years, God has really allowed you to walk through some real trials as you have sought to grow your family. And I would just love for you to talk us through what that journey has looked like for you and go through some of the backstory for us. 
Sure. So Adeline was born in 2016. She's seven now, and she had a pregnancy with little to no issues. Mm-hmm. She was born healthy, praise God. So at Christmas time of 2019, we decided we wanted to grow our family. And for both of us, we've always really felt that God called us to have two children. Mm-hmm. Um, we always just have felt that um, as a couple that really we, we've always wanted to have two kids. And we feel that he put that desire in our hearts. So yeah, Christmas time in 2019, we sought to grow our family again. And shortly after that, we were blessed and we were pregnant in, who would say February of 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, we found out we were pregnant and then pandemic happened mm-hmm. um, in March of 2020. <laughs> and March 29th of 2020, I found out that our baby no longer had a heartbeat. And so on March 30th of 2020, we found ourselves in a really difficult spot because that was at the very beginning of the pandemic. And at that point, we were having no one watch Adeline except for us. We, you know, didn't know what it was yet. Lots of unknowns at that point. Yeah. yeah. Nobody oh, knew what yeah. to do at that point. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and and so it was, you know, the doctor told me I needed to have a procedure. And so I thought I had to go alone. And I called my friend, um, Shireen, who was my co-teacher at the time. We were trying to plan online teaching um, at that time. And I called her and I sobbed to her and just said, I'm going to have to do this alone. What am I going to do? And she said, don't worry, I'll come with you. And so then Justin watched Adeline. I went to the hospital and I had my first D&E um, after that miscarriage. And through that time, um, Shireen literally, she came with me. She held my hand throughout the day. And then when I woke up from surgery, she was there and she prayed Deuteronomy 31.6 over me. And that verse emphasizes that God is with us in the midst of very difficult times. So she got to pray you to sleep. She did. And the nurses did too. Oh, yeah. Really encouraging wow. to hear that after the fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she did. She got to pray me to sleep and then was just with me through that really horrible time. And I felt God there with me through that. And that was, like I said, our first miscarriage. And then our doctors said, okay, you can try to grow our family again. Wait one cycle and try again. So we waited one cycle and tried again. And then June of 2020, um, we found out on a Wednesday that we were pregnant. And then on a Friday, I realized something was wrong. I started bleeding. I went to the doctor, women's and babies, went to triage there, became a very familiar face at (laughs) triage at women's Mm. and babies. And then they told me that my numbers were growing, but not at the right rate. So basically that I was having probably an atopic pregnancy or maybe I was miscarrying twins. We still don't know Mm. exactly what that looked like, but that was a really hard season because my health was in danger. And and through an atopic pregnancy, if anyone doesn't know what that is, it's a pregnancy where you the baby lodges in your fallopian tubes. And if your fallopian tubes burst, um, that can cause the mother to die. So it was really difficult for us in that season as well, because it was scary. We didn't know what was happening with me. And it was a lot of unknowns. And again, we trusted God and and he pulled us through. So that was definitely the beginning of, of that whole the story, I should say. <laughs> yeah, well, and I'm just thinking back to that unforgettable time when nobody knew what was happening. Everything was already very out of control. Mm-hmm. Anxiety was high. Mm-hmm. On top of that, you're dealing with a miscarriage once Two. and then another one yeah, right. on yeah. top yeah. of that. Yeah, right. And gosh, like having to go in there alone. Justin, I'm just curious, like we often hear from the woman's point of view, Mm -hmm. like for you not even being able to go with her, what was that like for you? 
That's a great question. It was, it was scary because, you know, like we were talking about, there were a lot of unknowns. I didn't know what was going on in terms of really what that procedure looked like because it was in real time. You weren't prepped for anything. Right. But at the same time, one thing I will go back to that I always say was a huge comfort to me was, was Addie. Mm. Like having her there at home with me was a huge comfort. God used her to be an amazing comfort for me as a, as a three at that time, right, Laura? Yeah, she, she was three. At that time, she was three. She yes. was three. Using oh. a three-year-old to comfort your father in some, you know, in that moment was God works in such mysterious ways. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was one way that I was able to be comforted in that moment was through my three-year-old daughter, mm-hmm. just giving daddy snuggles and just mm-hmm. those simple things just mean so much, especially yeah. in those moments. And then just trying to hear from Shireen in real time whenever I could to see how Laura was doing, checking in with her and praying during those times too and saying, mm. God, can you somehow help me with this, this immense anxiety I'm experiencing right now with not knowing what's going on with my wife? Right. And he did. He did give me that. I, I would say now it, it was through Addie he worked. It was amazing. Wow. What a gift. Yeah. Of your mm-hmm. three-year-old and of such a great friend. Yes, who truly was another in the fire with us, who I know Mm. we're going to talk about that more, but Mm -hmm. she definitely was. There's so many people that God used to be our our another in the fire. He was ultimately our another in the fire, but there's so many people he used his people to really be another in the fire to us. So yeah, 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 for sure. Well, and, and so this song, another in the fire, (laughs) which was written and released several years ago by Hillsong, Mm -hmm. I know has been so impactful for you. Yes. The the concept of the song comes straight from Daniel 3. So can you explain a little bit about why that was such an impact for you in that time? Right. And I think around that time, I think we started singing that around that time, I think at Calvary. Okay. So I think we were exposed to it at Calvary through the worship team here mm-hmm. on the radio, yep. different outlets where we were hearing it. And so we already had, we were already exposed to it by that point. Sure. And, you know, it was a great worship song. It's like, oh, that is, you know, it's a really cool song. I like it. But then through these situations that happened, it it resonated even more and more. And too, I think Shireen was another one that, that really brought that to light too. Mm. Um, because, the Another in the Fire. Go ahead. Yeah, because she came to me and said, would you like to get Another in the Fire <laughs> tattooed on you? And yeah. I was like, well, yeah, you held my hand through one of the hardest things I've mm. ever been through. So absolutely. Like, mm. you want to get matching tattoos? Let's do it. And then Justin, <laughs> you. I always wanted one at some point, I think throughout my life, but I never had something that prompted me so strongly to do it. Mm-hmm. And here we go. Here, Here's that moment that comes along. It's like, hey guys, do you mind if I come along with you to get that one too? Because I think I'm really, it's really speaking to me. Yeah. So that was 2020, July of 2020. We yeah. did it at Shereen's house because tattoo parlors weren't open. They were closed. Oh, the whole COVID word. thing was, they were closed. And she somehow knew a friend's friend friend that was a tattoo artist and did them. And thankfully he was able to come over to Shereen's house. Wow. And we got them done there. Yes, we did. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's that's, so, kind that's of actually kind of really cool. It's like, you know, you don't have to go somewhere unknown. You just get to. Go to your friend's house. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 But by that moment, it really resonated with us too. Once we went through those two miscarriages and those experiences, the words just breathed life into us mm-hmm. off the page, so to speak. It's like, wow, I can literally resonate and relate to every single word that you're saying in that song. It's like, oh, you were another in the fire. And we also love the progression in the song where it goes, mm. you were, you are, you will be. Mm. We love that past, present, future. Yeah. We found that true over and over again. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just resonates so much with us that we experienced Jesus being in, the, in those fires with us, literally. And it just spoke to us so much that that's kind of the background on where another in the fire resonates with us up to this part in the story. And that tattoos have another in the fire, but then they also have crosses in them. Justin has what I like to call the man version of it. And then Shreed <laughs> and I have the woman version. But yeah, they, they both have crosses like in the design of them. So it really shows how Jesus was with us through those difficult times and that he really truly is another in the fire for us yes. and was and is and will be. Love that progression. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. For those that aren't familiar with the song, we'll link it in the show notes. But can you just maybe take one or two of the lyrics that really impacted you or still impact you and just kind of like unpack it a little bit? Yeah. One part that impacts me is um, there is a grave that holds no body. Now that power lives in me. And that for me is the most impactful part of that song because it's really that Jesus' power does live in us and he gives us the power to survive hard things like our miscarriages and and all those things that we've been through. I would have to agree with you on that. I I would say his Holy Spirit does live in us now Mm, that flows in and through us. Amen. And we're able to withstand those fires, so to speak, that we go through in life. Yeah. And I I think back and I wonder what we have done if we didn't have Jesus in those moments. Mm -hmm. You know, like, you know, I wonder how unbelievers do go through things like this, but thank the Lord that because we call out to him and he yeah. is faithful to mm-hmm. We've seen it. hear our cry. He really is. He's faithful mm-hmm. to hear that and be with us during those times. And he doesn't save us from them. And mm-hmm. we, we are testaments to that, that we've gone through the storms and we've gone through the fire, but God is faithful to us through those times. And he's proven that over and over again. So it's almost like the progression, the song, the progression comes in our lives too. You were, you are, you will be like, we've seen it. Yeah. We're seeing it. We will continue to see it in the future. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah. I love that line too, because it's that reminder, you know, there's that myth, like God won't give you more than you can handle. Well, mm. <laughs> sometimes, oftentimes it does feel like it's more than we can handle, but what he does give us is himself. Amen. Amen to that. That, that, that's what we experienced himself living in us and helping us and guiding us and sustaining us yeah. through that time because we couldn't do it without him. So after you got those Another in the Fire tattoos, how did God continue to remind you of that truth? How did he continue to be Another in the Fire for you? Yeah, so we're now in October of 2020. We again were prompted by the Lord to you know, grow our family. So we took a break over that summer of 2020. And then in October of 2020, we found out that we were expecting. And then in November of 2020, our dear friend, Alexandra Chitwood, we called her Alex. Um, she died of COVID in 2020. And I knew her because um, she was a school counselor at Manheim Township Middle School. Mm-hmm. And Justin knew her through me, but then also because she was a school counselor and you would attend... Lancaster School County School Counselor Association meetings. So we just knew each other, knew each other through local networking of school counselors. Okay. Yep. okay. Yeah, so they knew each other, and then I knew her well. And then we, we led a club together at Manheim Township High School Okay. Um, when I used to teach there. 
And my mom knows her too. And then they would go scrapbooking together and all those things. So anyway, Alex was very special to us. And she passed away in November of 2020. And then we decided at that time that we were going to name our baby after her. So Mm -hmm. we didn't know if it was a boy or girl at that point. So we knew that that would either be Alexander or Alexandra. Then um, we progressed through that pregnancy in um, December of 2020. We found out we were having a little girl. Um, So we were really excited about that. We announced it on social media and did the cute little photo shoot with Adeline and the, you're going to be a big sister. And announce it to our staffs as well at school. Oh, wow. You did. I did not. Uh, Oh, oh, you didn't. I'm sorry. But you did. I did. A lot of my close friends knew, but like, you did announce it publicly to your staff. Yeah. So there mm-hmm. was like, everyone knew at that point. And mm-hmm. we Up until were... <laughs> this experience, usually after you get to the 12-week hump of pregnancy, you're usually good to go. Right. You know, you're, you're in the safe clear, you're in the clearing. And after that, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to share with my staff. So just background on why I felt it was safe to, to share at that point. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Because our first two miscarriages had happened at eight weeks and at six weeks mm-hmm. of gestational age. So yeah, we did mm-hmm. feel really comfortable sharing with our staffs, with social media that, hey, we're expecting and mm-hmm. we're going to have <clears> our <throat> rainbow baby and yeah. here's our story and you know our miscarriages and everything. And for those of you that don't know, a rainbow baby is a baby that comes after a storm. So in, in the lost world, in the lost community, we talk about rainbow babies, that they are the one that is born after a loss. So we had two losses in our miscarriages. And then the pregnancy that I was experiencing then was due to be our rainbow baby. Mm-hmm. So anyway, New Year's Day, 2021, we went up to Justin's parents' house to celebrate New Year's that day. And I had gotten a Doppler. Um, a Doppler allows you to hear the fetal heartbeat. And I had gotten one like a week before right before Christmas of that year. And I know like my mom was able to hear the heartbeat. Um, My mom even went to a couple appointments with me and she saw the baby like on the ultrasounds and everything. And you had too, right? Like, yeah, yep. Me and Addie both did. Right, right. Mm. Because we were, we were followed really closely because of my miscarriages. So we had Mm -hmm. gone through like a specialty clinic at that point. And anyway, so we were at Justin's parents' house for New Year's Day and I had a Doppler and I was 16 weeks in change gestation. So it was almost 17 weeks gestational age. Okay. And, and at that point, everything was fine. Everything was great with a pregnancy. So then we went up to Justin's parents and I brought my Doppler with me so your mom could hear the heartbeat as well. And then we couldn't find the heartbeat on that Doppler. So I literally was like, oh, I'm an idiot. This is a new Doppler. I can't use it. Like it's (laughs) fine. No big deal. And so then we went home and my mother-in-law just advised me, okay, just get some rest. And you know, the next day try again. And if not, call your doctor. And so that's what I did. I, I went home And then January 2nd, I used the Doppler again, couldn't find a heartbeat. Okay, well, this is a new Doppler. It's fine. Maybe she's just in a weird position. So then I proceeded to go to Women's and Babies. And then at that point, of course, they weren't letting in anyone except for like one person, right? One guest only, I believe it was at that Mm. point. And they weren't allowing children in. So Mm. we needed to have someone to watch Adeline. Mm -hmm. And so I like, I literally thought, okay, I'm going to go in there. They're going to Doppler the baby. They're going to tell me I'm an idiot and don't know how to use a Doppler. <laughs> and we're going to be fine. Like, literally, that's what I thought. That's what our mindsets were. But we took the precaution of my mom coming over to Women's and Babies 
to get Adeline just in case so Justin could be there with me. So I drove over to Women's and Babies and met Laura's mom there. Okay. So she could take Addie and then I could go and be with Laura. But at this point, you weren't in with me yet. I had gone in. You weren't there yet. Went in. The nurse triaged me and couldn't find a heartbeat either on the Doppler. So then she brought in the doctor and the doctor was going to do an ultrasound to see if she could find a heartbeat and she could not. So um, our precious baby girl, her heart had stopped beating and she measured 16 weeks in like three days. So her heart had just stopped beating recently is what the doctors had told us. And so at that point, I'm in Women's and Babies Hospital. I'm sobbing because I find out at that gestational age that she has no heartbeat. And then I have to tell Justin that our baby has no heartbeat. And so... I remember tracking you on Find Friends and making sure that you were at the hospital in the parking lot before I called you because I did not want you to be driving while I told you this. So I remember on your part. waiting until you were at the hospital in the parking lot waiting for my mom to come and get Adeline. Mm-hmm. And I called you and told you that she had no heartbeat. I'm trying to recollect as well as best as I can at that moment. I don't think... I came in right away. And I also remember before you told me, I was still, anxiety was high nonetheless. I don't know, Monica, if you've seen this movie Breakthrough? No. Okay. I believe it was a movie we had seen recently before this happened. It's a true story based on a mother and a father and their their son. I would say, what would you say is maybe about like 14 years old, maybe-ish? Yes. Based on true story is a hockey player, one cold frigid winter him and his friends are out on the ice when they were specifically advised not to go on the ice Mm. on this lake falls in through the lake into the water was down there multiple minutes yeah decent long time before the paramedics arrived he flatlined for a good flatline for a good amount of time and when the mom got there i don't believe the dad was able to get there right away for whatever reason but the mom was able to get there first she goes in son's laying on the on the table in in the er doctors say he's gone Nothing else we can do. We tried to resuscitate him multiple times. It's been unsuccessful. She goes over on top of him and literally out loud, didn't care who was seeing at this moment, cries out to God to save her son, to revive him, do a miracle, bring him back, do whatever it takes God. I am not going to leave him until you bring him back, until you revive him. And (laughs) incredibly, the way God works in mysterious ways and miraculously, they start seeing like a line on, on the chart. starts not flatlining anymore, starts kind of going up and down, up and down a little bit. And she looks over at the, at the monitor and says, somebody get in here right now. It's not flatlined. There's, there's like up and down lines going to get in here. See if you can save him. There's a pulse. There's something you need to check this out. Like what, you know, what are you talking about? Right. Medically, he's been gone for a decent amount of time now, Mm. but they go back in. He has a pulse, a weak pulse, but a pulse. Mm -hmm. And to make a long story short, he ended up surviving. No brain damage. Was able to come fully restored. What an amazing testament that experience could share with millions of people through that movie. Yeah. So it was very inspiring to us. And I could just think coming back to our story here, in that moment, I was so inspired by that movie. I'm like, you know what, God, if you can do that, you can bring our daughter back. So I was just crying out to God with my three-year-old in the back seat, just saying, God, I know you can save her. I know you can bring her heart back. I know you can, we can start this up. I have full faith that you can do this. And, you know, just having those conversations with God out loud, you know, so we go in, I go and meet Laura in the room and I said, no, have them bring the Doppler back in. Let's check this again. I'm not convinced that she's gone. 
And, um, you know, unfortunately there, there, there still wasn't, you know, I, I just was so like, she's not gone. Like God can do this. And I think one thing I've learned through this is that, you know what, Justin, sometimes the answers are no. Sometimes they are no for whatever reason that you can't maybe see on the side of heaven. And that's a very hard pill to swallow. But at the same time, and I know at Calvary, we've talked about a firm foundation with the Sermon on the Mount. I know through my life up to that point and Laura's life up to that point, God did so much, must have done so much work in our lives. And we've seen different things, experienced different things that even though that answer was no, in the midst of a deep, deep root of hopelessness in that moment and utter confusion and sadness, despair, all those plethora of emotions swirling around at that moment, I knew I wasn't leaving Jesus anyway. I wasn't. In the midst of all that, I, I knew I had too much. I've seen too much. God's done too much in my life to walk away. And I know Pastor Bo's always said it very well. The rains are going to come. The storms are going to come. The wind's going to beat down on the house. What kind of foundation do you have? Is it built on the rock? Is it built on the sand? And I even knew at that moment, in the midst of all those emotions, trying to figure it all out, trying to question God with so much, Jesus, I'm going through this with you rather than without you. He was there, and and he yeah. continues to be, and, and he did restore our story and restore us. We're not to that yet, but we're getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, so bringing us back to where we are in the story, we found out that Lexi had no heartbeat, and mm-hmm. I think we brought the ultrasound back three times. It might have been multiple. You might be it, right. It was a lot. <laughs> yes. It was more than once, I think, to make sure. Because mm-hmm. we we did not want to have me give birth to her because if at that point, gestationally, if I did give birth to her, then she wouldn't have survived. However, if she would have stayed in my tummy for a little bit longer, she could have. Mm-hmm. So we wanted to make sure that there was no heartbeat before we you know, did anything. And we did believe that God could save her. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And he didn't. And so we, at that point, they gave us the option to, that they would induce my labor there at Women's and Babies, and that I would give birth to Lexi. I'm saying Lexi, so let me explain that. So I explained who Alexander Chitwood was. She was our dear friend. And we, at that point, you know, knew that we were going to name our baby after her. So we decided that we were going to name her Alexander Grace Houghton, and we refer to her as Lexi. Mm-hmm. So whenever throughout this story I talk about her, I'm going to be talking about her as Lexi. So we found out that Lexi had no heartbeat and um, that my labor needed to be induced. That was around 8 p.m. on January 2nd, 2021. We went through labor, and then around 9 a.m., I think it was 9.09, on January 3rd, 2021, I gave birth to... Alexandra Grace Houghton, and that was the hardest thing I ever have done in my life. Um, Justin chose not to be in the room, which I honored that choice, and I think it would have just been too hard, and that's okay. And yeah. But I had an amazing chaplain holding my hand and amazing nurses, and I can't say enough about the nurses at Women's and Babies. Just I know many of them are believers too, and I hope they get to listen to this because I call them even to this day my angel nurses. And absolutely agree with there's one in particular, Crystal, who she's our angel nurse, and I know she helped you through a lot of things. And and after Lexi was born, um, we were able to hold Lexi. At that time, we weren't supposed to have visitors, but because of our situation, at that time they allowed my mom to come in, and she was able to 
hold in C-Lexi too. They took pictures of her. Mm-hmm. I got to hold her. You got to be like next to me while I was holding her. Mm-hmm. And just the nurses there really were able to love on us. They actually, I can remember, put blankets in my arms before they gave me Lexi because she was small because she was only almost 17 weeks gestation. So she was little. Um, she was fully formed. And let me tell you, God, mm, yes. it is amazing how God forms babies in the womb because like fingernails, toenails, earlobes, mm. fully formed, like beautiful, tiny little baby, mm. just beautiful. So the nurses there gave me her to hold and they weighted me down with blankets first before they gave me Lexi because they wanted me to feel like I was holding my baby Mm. and the weight of an actual baby. Mm -hmm. They did many things like that and many memorial items came from the hospital. We were amazed at the bereavement team from Women's and Babies. We we, Amazing staff at Women's and Babies Hospital all around. We can't say enough about that. So then, and bring up another in the fire, I can remember in the bathroom in my room at Women's and Babies, just putting it on my phone and listening to another in the fire because I knew he was there with me. Mm -hmm. And I can remember that. So then the next day, Monday, um, I was released to go home and I vomited once, but they said it's totally normal and they gave me something for the vomiting and sent me home. And thankfully, our parents are so amazing that I'm not sure what set of parents had her at this point, but Adeline is not with us right now. She's with um, either my mom or my stepdad or your parents, Um, Mm. but Adeline wasn't with us. So Tuesday comes rolling around and I keep on vomiting and won't stop. So I call my doctor and they said, okay, you need to come back to Women's and Babies. So at that point, and I know you'll talk more about it, but yeah. George May um, was there at our house planning the funeral for Lexi, yeah. and he ended up driving us to Women's and Babies. So we show up at Women's and Babies with George, and then they give me an IV, and George wasn't allowed in. So you walked me in. I walked in to make sure you got settled, to make sure she was to go where she needed to be. And then since George was at this time out <laughs> in our van just waiting for us in the parking lot, I went out with him to drive him back to our house. Eventually you came back. And, and that, then me. I did come back to, yes. Right. But I was in, you know, the hospital and then they, they sent me up with an IV, gave me medicine and sent me home. And so next day I continue to vomit, will not stop. This is Wednesday. So I call my doctor again and they're like, all right, Laura, you've got to go to what I call the big girl hospital. <laughs> um, so big girl hospital, LGH, Lancaster General Hospital. So I go to the big girl hospital Justin takes me. Thankfully, again, our parents are watching Adeline. At this point, yep. Um, And so you take me to LGH, and they, again, give me an IV. We're in the ER. We're not admitted or anything. Yes, we're not admitted. Yes. Um, They give me an IV again, give me good medicine, and send me home. All right, Mm -hmm. cool. So Thursday rolls around. I continue to cyclically vomit. Can't keep anything down. Can't keep anything down. And I gave birth to Lexi on Sunday, and this is Thursday at this point. So we go back to Lancaster General Hospital. and It's time uh, to be a little more adamant about treatment moving forward. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I can imagine. (laughs) I said, you will be admitting me. Um, So they admitted me, and I was at Lancaster General Hospital for five days from Thursday into that next Monday. So I was there for five days. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm still not keeping anything down. Mm. And so then Sunday, and at this point, I'm extremely weak. I couldn't do anything. And Justin was 
the only person that could be there for me because we were in the middle of COVID at this point. Right. I was the only one allowed at that point. Nobody. So yeah, Justin. How isolating. Yeah. Yeah, really. It did yeah. feel like that. But Justin did an amazing job being my advocate. And so I was just at this desperate point where I literally couldn't do anything. I remember my mom like talking to me on the phone saying like, Laura, think about Justin and Addie. Like you've got to come out of this. Like we thought, what is going to happen to Laura at this point? Because mm-hmm. we we didn't know. And, and I wouldn't stop vomiting. It was almost a week at this point. At that moment, you couldn't even grieve the loss of your own daughter because of the severity of, of right. Laura. Right. At, at, at this point, it was almost like you had to put your grieving for your, your daughter you just lost on the back burner because we didn't know what was going on with Laura at that point. So our, right. our full focus had to be on her at that moment. You know, and yeah, I couldn't really fully grieve because I'm vomiting nonstop. So then Sunday rolls around and they say to me that I needed to have an endoscopy and that's where they put you to sleep. They go down with a scope and they just wanted to check out that my stomach was okay. Cause at this point they were like, is there a bigger problem that you're like not stopping vomiting? Mm-hmm. So I go down to get prepped for the endoscopy and there was this nurse that was there and I say to her, you look familiar to me. Like, do I know you through church or something like that? And she goes, no, y- you must see Jesus in me. And I was like, yes, you're right. I see Jesus in you. So she, you know, got me ready for the procedure, prayed me to sleep. And I woke up and the doctor was like, Laura, you're fine. You should eat fish and mashed potatoes for lunch. And I was like, doctor. She can't keep anything down at this point. What are you talking about? (laughs) I can't keep jello down, dude. Like, have you known? What? Are you crazy? (laughs) So I'm like, I can't keep jello down. You want me to keep fish and mashed potatoes down? Okay. So I, you know, go ahead and I eat fish and mashed potatoes for lunch. And from that moment on, from that endoscopy on, I did not vomit at all. So it was really Jesus intervening and being like, here I am, Laura, you're healed. You're done. <laughs> Another in the fire, right? Another in the fire. And he mm-hmm. miraculously healed me. Like miraculously, just the vomiting stopped. Yeah, it just and completely stopped. Didn't even, it wasn't like a, uh, it just slowly dissipated. It just, yeah. it snapped a finger, it just stopped. Wow. So really amazing that Jesus just like came yeah. through, healed me. And then at that point, we could go back to planning the funeral and mourning for Lexi. Um, so well, what the doctors actually said all this was, the cyclic vomiting was from grief and hormones, just all mixed in one, creating whatever it did in Laura for those five, was it five days? Yes. Five straight days of It was a week of not eating, a week of vomiting. The human body is unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is. It really, really so, is. Yes. So at that point, we could go back to fully grieving Lexi. We planned Lexi's funeral for that Friday. We had it here at Calvert Church, and that is where Another in the Fire really truly came back to us. We chose to sing Another, Another in the, the Fire, Fire at her song. funeral. Mm-hmm. We also sang the song Waymaker, which comes in later in our story. But then my dad, he spoke about Daniel 3 at Lexi's funeral and, and linked it to our tattoos and how Jesus truly is another in the fire. And he was there through Lexi's loss and he was there through my sickness and he was there at Lexi's funeral. And Lexi's funeral gave us a really good opportunity to then release her care over to God. We symbolically released balloons and it really just allowed us to say, let go and let God and, and truly let him take care of Lexi and we know that she's at Jesus's feet and he's taking care of her. I love that balloon picture. Yeah. Mm, I've never, I've never heard Mm. anybody do that before. And I just think that that's a really cool, symbolic, tangible way Mm -hmm. to give something over to the Lord. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. I think it was suggested by the funeral home, I think, wasn't it? Or was it? It was, 
It was our angel nurse. Oh, was it Crystal? Yes, okay, I'm it sorry. was Crystal. Okay, it was no. Crystal who suggested that. Okay, one and of our breathing nurses. And then the funeral yeah. home went and like ran with the idea and really made it so that- That's true. They yeah. made it possible from yes. that idea. Yes, yeah. they made yeah, yeah, it possible. Yeah, yeah. And then yep. they, they said like, let, okay, let's have everyone there release balloons. And then yep. we were able to release a balloon. Adeline was, yeah. but then also our family was yeah. able to release balloons yeah. and just truly give her care over to God. As you are talking, you're mentioning so many people that have been another in the fire with you through your miscarriages and through Lexi's loss. What ways did you really see the church step in to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You've alluded to it thus far, but I would love for you to talk in a little bit more detail Mm -hmm. about what the church meant to you. Yeah, we definitely have seen the church be, quote unquote, the church Mm -hmm. through that experience. Um, Just in general, before you get into specifics, it was just very inspiring for us to see Calvary Church be what the church is supposed to be. So I will just say that, that we are totally grateful for the leaders of this church, the congregation of this church, everybody that had a part to play in that story, in our story. Honestly, it was inspiring to me. It was inspiring to me to be like, wow, I see these people that I know or a lot that I don't even know that are either showing up at our doorsteps, sending us things in the mail. Sending us cards. Yeah, cards. Like didn't even know something who these people were, but it's like, wow, that is really, really inspiring. And it just inspired me to be like, God, maybe there's some work you need to do here with me too, to like even be more like Jesus in terms of giving and Mm. reaching out and being more intentional. So it was just inspiring just to me personally too, just in that aspect. To see the church Um, be the church was really really amazing and and that God enabled us to see his church at work through his people. It's just a testament to show that God really is doing real things and a real work here at Calvary Church. So if we could be a testament to that, just to let everybody know that's listening, this church, it's truly rooted in the word of God, Mm. in Jesus Christ. And that's where it needs to be. And we are so grateful that we can call this church our home. So because of that, people (laughs) were the church to us. Yeah, yeah, right, right. But going specifically, um, going back to George May, really big support. He is just so full of wisdom. George is a wisdom giver. I, I would just say that <laughs> yes. because he has given us in just not this experience, but prior to and more probably more in the future, so much wisdom on how to live life in a godly way. But we can go back a little bit to the part where Laura was at Whims and Babies and George was with us trying to plan the funeral. <laughs> yeah. So he's he's there. We're trying to plan this funeral. And Laura just has to say, excuse me, I got to go up and, you know, this is where this all starts, where right? Where the vomiting started. And me and George are both like, this just isn't good. We, 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 we can't continue right. this right now. We need to figure out how to get Laura help and get her support. So he was <laughs> just like, hey, if you guys want me to go with you, I will go with you in your car, drive you there, and you go in with Laura Justin. I will park the van. I'll wait there till whatever and just come out when you can come out just to make sure she's taken care of. I'm like, George, that is just incredible. Like that's incredibly, that's gracious. incredibly so just extending that, that hand to us. You could fully us. be with me. Yeah. 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 Um, so that was incredible just to have him be a part of that, that point in the story there too. But then another way, another way that he was just an amazing part of the journey was, um, so while Laura was admitted into LGH, I'm trying to advocate for Laura, communicate what I can to family members that needed to be in the know at that moment. And then also trying to connect with George to an extent to try to sort of plan this funeral that's going to happen at question mark. We don't know when. Right. So 
he was just such a calming presence to me just to try to balance everything out the way I could to try to keep my priorities straight at that point. Mm -hmm. He was checking in on me so much through those days all the time. Like he was just saying, Hey, Justin, I'm here. If you need me, Justin, I'm here. If you need me. And we had some conversations about just updating him on Lauren, how she was doing and trying to figure out how to maybe put a date for the funeral it got potentially back. on the calendar, but I think it got pushed back like three times, two or three it times. It did get pushed well, back, I think, three times. Understandably. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. we just were yeah. so, we didn't know how long this was going to take. Right. And, like, and what each the time we were like, be. oh, Laura's still in the hospital. We need to push it back again and Ugh. push it back again. Yeah. So it, it ended up getting pushed back, I think, three times total. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, he was just an amazing support for me during that time. And if anybody doesn't know who George May is, he's one of our counselors here at, at Calvary. Mm -hmm. Such an amazing support for so many people and just does amazing counseling with couples, families, singles, whatever, just meets with people on a daily basis to provide counseling to whatever people need in that moment. So he was an incredible part of, of that part of the story. And he helped us by planning the funeral and speaking at. Yeah. Yeah. Lexi's he was the one that funeral. officiated the funeral too. Oh, Not just planned, wow. but he officiated. He, he yeah. was the one that was the pastor of Lexi's celebration of life service. Yes. Mm. Yeah. And then yeah. he also, which is cool and it's hanging on our oh, wall now. Yeah. Mentioned that too. He wrote, a letter from Lexi to us. Oh, from her perspective. From her perspective. And, and gave it to us at her celebration of life service. Yeah. yeah. So, and how, you know, she's the daughter of the king and how she's taken care of with Jesus and that we don't have to worry because she's there she is. Taken care of. She's good. That is <laughs> So precious. that was really cool that, that he did that for us too. Yeah. Mm. So through that time, um, when I'm in the hospital and all this is going on, Justin's sister tries to form a meal train for us. And then George gets that meal train out to some members of staff and then to like our small group and things that we were involved in. And that meal train was really one way that we saw the church be the church and that every day meals showed up at our house. Like it was just incredible. It was like, oh, here's another meal and here's another meal and people we don't know. And it was just really incredible how the church was the church through that meal train. And and I know that his sister needed to extend the meal train because so many people wanted to be the hands and feet of Jesus and bless us. Oh, my yeah. word. That we literally needed to extend the meal train. So she extended it. And um, one of the people that signed up was Liz Rodriguez. Mm. And Liz, at that time, she had just started at Calvary. Like maybe a week before she was introduced to the congregation. Yeah, she yeah. would have been brand new. Yeah. Brand new. She had just started, I want to say, like she was introduced in like December of 2020. And then she just started. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yes. So like brand new, did not know us at all. Um, she must have gotten the email from George and there she is on our porch bringing us Panera. <laughs> doesn't, oh know us doesn't know us at all. <laughs> and we just thought, wow, to be the hands and feet of Jesus, even to someone you don't know, was really cool. And, and how she blessed us in that in that time was really neat. So too, I think we kind of mentioned this too a little bit, but just want to specifically just say, you know, just for in terms of care for Addie during this whole entire time, oh, our, yes. our, our, our three sets of parents, my parents and Laura's two sets of parents were just incredible supports for us mm -hmm. during this time, just for taking care of Addie when we couldn't right. take care of our daughter. So they were an amazing help and support, not just that in other ways too, but you know, just having them there for that support just meant so much to us too. So, yeah. yeah. So course. thanks mom, Dave, dad, Diane, mom, and dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thanks guys. Uh, 
Childcare and food, the two yes. biggest <laughs> and probably most important forms of care we can possibly give. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think sure. the older I get, the more I'm like, yeah, giving somebody food is the biggest blessing because yes. cooking can be exhausting. And I was just out of the hospital and right. couldn't That's the last thing think you of that. To do. No. Yeah, right. yeah. Grieving yeah. and all of the things. All the things. That's the last thing you want to think about. Yeah. So... A plug out there to anybody who's wondering how to step in and help somebody in a time of need. That's a great way. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. For sure. You've alluded to this a little bit, but what has all of this taught you about redemption? Fast forward a year. We were told by numerous people that we should wait a year and we did. Um, Just to your body, just to reset, just give time, Mm -hmm. just to be what it needs to be for a year before anything else would happen. Right. Moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. Very good recommendation. Yeah. So we decided to wait and then we decided to try again, tried to get pregnant again. And we did. We found out in March of 2022 that we were having a boy and and we were, I don't want to say reluctant, but we were reluctant because we knew that, you know, we had been through so much. We had two miscarriages. We had had a stillbirth. It was, you know, really a lot. So we were reluctant to share but on August 16th of 2022, our rainbow baby, Alexander David Houghton, was born, and we were able to name him after Lexi, mm. and he is just such a blessing to us. Um, and so now we have our triple A's of Adeline, Alexandra, and Alexander. And um, through all of this, we say that Jesus is another in the fire with us, but he's also our way maker. So mm-hmm. through this, he has really made a way. And again, I guess we like getting tattoos, but <laughs> <laughs> we got tattoos again um, to show that God is a way maker. And my way maker tattoo has Alex, our son, as a blue flower. Adeline as a pink flower, and then it has Lexi as a purple butterfly to really represent that bond between Adeline and Lexi. And Adeline asked me specifically, she was like, can you just tell everyone that I love and miss Lexi? And I was like, yes, sweetheart, (laughs) I will definitely tell them Um, because she was mourning with us through this. And yeah, yep. You know, she definitely has that huge connection to her. And, you know, we're all so grateful for Alex and Alexander, our son. We we call him Alex and we're so grateful for him and, and what he's brought to us. And we are so grateful that, you know, God was able to bless us with Alex. Like what an amazing blessing to come full circle to see this story at this point where it is. Um, so, yes, he is such an amazing blessing from God to us. And yes, God used him to redeem you know, some of our story for sure. But we also know that he's not our redeemer. Jesus we don't want to put that. Redeemer. Yes. Jesus is our redeemer. We don't want to unintentionally put that emphasis on, Oh, he's going to be our full redeemer to redeem everything. No, we know who the redeemer is. Yeah. Like we know who gave us Alex. And I think that's important to have that perspective and knowing that Addie and Alex are God's children first. And we are grateful and blessed enough to be entrusted to be their parents here on earth, which mm-hmm. is incredible, but ultimately they are God's children. So we just want to make sure that we knew we had the right perspective on the amazing blessing we were gifted after Lexi's loss. Alex has brought joy to so many people. Another tragedy that had struck our family was in September of 2022. Literally, what, three weeks after Alex was born? Two. Two weeks after Alex was born, my uncle was tragically killed in a car accident by a drunk driver. Um, so, you know, we're talking about these tragedies here and how Jesus continues to be another in the fire with us. Mm -hmm. 
And that is evidently so through this as well. But just um, going back to that whole experience with my aunt mourning the loss of her husband and my mom, my dad, and my my mom's side of the family with this tragedy that had struck two weeks after Alex was born, we can say Alex was such a comfort for my aunt during oh. that time, just being able to hold him yeah. and have some semblance of comfort through that time. And for my mom, my other extended family members, my dad, my sister, my cousins, he just brought so much joy to them in that moment. As a two-week-old baby, God is already using him to bring joy, mm. comfort to this tragedy that just struck. Mm. We've been talking so much up to this point in this podcast about just like God in his sovereign wisdom, pointing people at just perfect times in our paths to bring us what we need. Mm. It's so incredible. You know, God can even use babies to fulfill certain purposes in life. And we saw that evidently as our two week old son was providing that comfort for my family. Yeah. That was just another way that we've just seen that redemption. Um, There was another friend of ours that just one one day we were just here at a service at Calvary and I guess I was out with Alex you were out with Alex and because he was crying <laughs> and I was, I was like, as babies do yeah, right? <laughs> so. uh, yeah I had stayed and Laura saw this lady just you know in in the vestibule area and he was like four months old at this point yeah. yeah so I think she was walking in the like in the lobby of yeah, Calvary lobby Church area. I was sitting in like next to the nursery just Rocking Alex. And then she comes up to me and we start talking and I can just see the sorrow in her eyes. And I was like, would you like to hold my baby? Mm, (laughs) And she said yes. And I was the crazy mother who let her hold him. (laughs) Here, I'll give my baby to a complete stranger. (laughs) So I let her hold him and, and she held him and she shared with me that she had lost her spouse and Alex was just such a great comfort to her. And, and he has continued to be, and now our friendship has evolved and he has just continued to be such a great comfort to her. And I think it's really cool how God put her in our path as well and has really enabled our family to be a huge encouragement to her and Alex to be a huge joy bringer to her as well. So that's one of the ways that God has used Alex as a joy bringer to other people. Um, You asked about, you know, what has this taught us about redemption? And so what's really neat is that now God has really put us in a way to be a comfort to others. So now we've kind of come full circle and now God's just put people into our paths so that we can help them help other people that are going through stillbirth. So there's been people in and outside of Calvary that we've been helping in in very organic ways. It's been like one of those things that one time George made called us at 9 p.m. on a school night and was like, can you help this family that's going through a stillbirth right now? And we're like, oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. And so now God has connected us and we've been walking them through. And it's been really neat how we can share our story and, and walk them through that. And and, and my cousin um, experienced a stillbirth a year after we did. And her story is so cool because she, you know, wanted to become pregnant again after her stillbirth. And we were praying for her through that time. And then in June of 2023, um, we were at a family function and put my hands on her with my stepmom and prayed for her that God would fill her womb. And later on down the road in October, I get a text saying, your prayers come true. I'm pregnant about 20 weeks along, and I must have gotten pregnant right after you prayed for me. Oh, my gosh. So, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. really crazy. Um, so now she's due 
Soon. Like, yeah. as in, like, Weeks. the next week or so, right? Oh, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been, like, following her and, and, you know, pouring into her, checking on her and, and sharing our story with her and then following up with her as she goes. And, again, another person that I don't know that I was friends with her husband on Facebook because I went to high school with him. And then God put us together, and now I'm walking her through her rainbow pregnancy. So just, like, ways that I wouldn't expect, and, and this isn't what I would have signed up for, grief management of helping <laughs> others with stillborn yeah, yeah, right. wouldn't have been my number one pick of how to bless other people, but God's been using us, yeah. and it's really cool mm-hmm. how God has been. And two, with the dad perspective, too, with this, I've been blessed to walk alongside some fathers as well mm-hmm. to help talk to whatever they might need in the moment, just be an active listener. Yeah in what that, their situation, their story is, and just being able to be that for them too. So it's, it's a blessing that, that we can both, you know, do that with, Laura can do it with the moms and I can do it with the fathers too, yeah. for the yeah. husbands. Yeah. So God's been using us as a couple to really bless others in organic ways to help others that have gone through the same thing we've gone through. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So. so just as others were in the fire with you, now you get to be in the fire with others. Yes. Exactly. And it's true. Jesus is always with us in the fire, but he also uses his people, like you just said, Monica, to be with others in the fire as mm-hmm. well, that we are coming full circle to see that we could do that too. Yep. Yeah. You know, we could be that example of him to others that may not believe, which is also a really great opportunity I think we've had yes. at times throughout this journey, being his hands and feet for other people that may not believe at this point. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. As we kind of wrap up here and we talk about your story coming full circle, when you look back on the last three years... What has Jesus taught you about himself through all of these difficult experiences that you've gone through? Yeah, so for us, it's that Jesus is not only another in the fire, he is also our waymaker, and that he will carry us through those difficult times. And it's so important if you are going through that time just to cling to Jesus, and he will carry you. And and there's a poem, Footprints in the Sand, that really resonated with us after Lexi died. And it talks about how, you know, there was through those seasons, when you look back, you can only see one pair of footprints in the sand. And then Jesus says, well, that's because I carried you. And and that is, I have no other words to describe it other than that, that he, if you cling to him, he will carry you through that time. And he has brought redemption to our family, which is really beautiful. I think that was the phrase we really stuck to was to cling and carry. Mm. That's what it was. I, we both felt that very immensely, experienced that very immensely. Like we couldn't have done it unless he carried us. Mm-hmm. Like we, we, we just couldn't have. And I think too, where you're in a situation where, you know, as humans, we like to be, I know I do. I like to be in control of so many things just with my personality or just naturally. Yeah. And when you're faced with a situation where it, you have no control, you're faced with two options. And I think Pastor Bo put this very eloquently in one of his messages, you can choose to go through this tribulation trial with or without Jesus. And I think, like I said before, the fact that we had that firm foundation, our faith, it was a no brainer. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, of course we're going to go through it with you. It definitely strengthened our faith because I don't know if I've ever been in a situation in my life where I literally had to like, where you have to give up full control like that. Like God really worked in my life like that. Like to really see what it means to give up full control, to fully surrender and just say like, this is the only direction I can go is that you need to carry me. I need to cling to you. 
And he's still working a lot of things yeah, out too. And, in that. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a journey. It really is. It's not like a destination. It's this is just a part of a part of the journey. And that um, another yeah. in the fire that he was. We know that yeah, he is now, and he will be right. That mm. like we know that that he's he's that waymaker. He's that promise keeper. But he's also will be when the storms come again. Cause mm. We know they will come again. Oh, yeah. We don't know what they look like <laughs> yet, but we know they will come again. But we know that God will be there with us in those trials because yeah. he has been there in the fire with us. So our birthdays are in August and Alex is born in August. And Addie's so is Addie's born in August. We're, we're all, all in August birthdays. now. <laughs> Except for Lexi, we're all born in August. Yes. So so our friend here at Calvary brought us a birthday cake. I think she got it at Stauffer's and she asked them to make us a rainbow cake because Aww. we had just had our rainbow baby. I think it was maybe six days before she brought us this rainbow cake. So she brought us this rainbow cake and we're in our kitchen and looking out the window and there's a double rainbow. <gasps> and it was just this picture of like God's promise to us. You know, that God's promises are true mm. and, and that he does... He has seen this full circle, which is really neat. That's a lyric so. in Waymaker. Yes. Promise Keeper. Promise Keeper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, that is so special. What a gift. Yeah. And I think, too, something that I've seen throughout this journey has been the hope that we have in Jesus in terms of someday Laura and I will get to see our three heavenly babies. Mm-hmm. Someday we will. And we know if they can't be with us, then you know, they are in the most loving hands possible, Mm -hmm. the most caring hands possible. And that hope that we have is so strong because I think, and I keep going back to our message in Calvary, things just stick in my head with Calvary. So just that um, hope doesn't mean wishful thinking. It doesn't mean like, eh, you know, we're just going to like hope that this might happen. We're just going to like maybe just chance it. Hope means assurance. It means certainty like this will happen happen. This is going to come to fruition at some point in time. And I love that we have that, that it is assurance Mm -hmm. that this isn't all there is. There's so much more. And and the fact that God just wants to partner with us and bring himself into us through his Holy Spirit, through Jesus, and just do amazing works in and through us. It's amazing. One of my visuals I allude to sometimes in that perspective is God sees the whole canvas. We only see a little part of that canvas. And that was specifically in our story with losing Lexi. There's so many questions that go through my mind, probably Laura's mind, so many things we're wrestling with. But if we just trust, just at least make that decision to trust him, he sees the whole bigger picture. Mm-hmm. We can only see this much, but maybe at times he might open up a little bit here, a little bit there to see a little more clarity here and there, which he has at times through our story. Mm-hmm. Amazing things he's done through such a tragic experience. So we can honestly say coming out of this that we've seen more joy than grief, mm-hmm. more joy than evil out of this experience. And God can only do something so counterintuitive like that. Like he can only do that. Make, right? Make Just joy and grief coexist. Yeah, and, right? and we've learned that his promises are true and that joy and grief can coexist. And yeah, yeah so you know, our hope just through being able to share our story is just to give others hope too. Whoever may be listening, we just want everybody to know that Jesus is another the fire. He is a way maker. Our firm foundation is assured rested in him. It really is. It all connects some way or another. It really does. At least for us, it seems like it's come back full circle. Mm, It really does. It all connects in some way or another that we've seen throughout the past three years. And we just want to say both Laura and I, that we are so grateful for this church. We are grateful for the leadership team. We are grateful for everybody who works here, all the people that attend here. We have just established so many amazing relationships in this church community. And we're so grateful to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. And- Laura and I both just wanted to also just thank you, Monica, for 
having us on today, being able to share a story with you and for anybody who may be listening. So we're, we're truly grateful for God to be using this. Yeah. Like as you prayed at the beginning, we're just, we pray that God would use our story for his glory. Like that Matthew West song, your, my story, your glory. And we, we really do pray that, that this is our story, but that God would use it for his glory and that he would bring many people to himself through our story. And we're just so grateful for all of the support we've received along the way and for how God has used his people, his word and himself through his Holy Spirit to be another in the fire for us and to ultimately be our way maker and our promise keeper. And we're so grateful for that. Oh, well, Laura and Justin, it is a privilege for me to just be the facilitator of you sharing your story. It is always my prayer that as we share our stories that we would not be glorified, but God would be glorified through them. Amen. Amen to that. And I know that it takes a lot of vulnerability to share something this weighty but I'm just so grateful for your willingness to step out in faith and to share knowing and trusting that God's going to be glorified through it and he's going to use it. And so I just am really, really grateful for your, your time and your willingness and for joining us today on Pursuing Life. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Pursuing Life. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. You can go to Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts and click the plus or follow button. This way you'll always stay up to date when new episodes release. We look forward to meeting you back here next time to hear more ways God is at work as we pursue life in Christ together. Until then, have a great week.